Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 755. If you manage to create something that withstands time, something that remains untouched by the eccentricities of a particular age, in other words, something timeless, that is the greatest achievement. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am so revved up and excited to introduce today's very special guest, all the way from Switzerland, Matthias Dutrelo. Matthias, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. My harness is on and the pedal is the metal, so let's go. All right. Matthias Dutrelo is the founder and chairman of the Concorde Elegance Suisse that takes place at the Chateau de Coupe in Switzerland on June 23rd to the 25th in 2017. Matthias began his career in marketing and automobiles back in 1996 by creating unique events for high net worth automobile collectors. He developed private rallies in Europe in various motorsports and lifestyle events. And then he went to work for Hong Kong and Shanghai hotels where he developed special events, one of which is the Quail, that little event that happens during Car Week, a motorsport gathering. Matthias founded Project Automobile Consultants in 2009, specializing in classic car events with a focus on supporting the preservation of the automobile heritage. The Concorde Elegance Swiss is one of the only three European Concorde events to adapt the rigorous judging standards established by the International Chief Judge Advisory Group that was founded by past Carsia guest Ed Gilbertson. And I am very proud to say that Carsia is a sponsor of Concorde Elegance Swiss. I would encourage you to check out the website and, of course, make plans to attend. So, Matthias, I have told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you and your past. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your incredible passion for automobiles? Yes, of course. Thank you very much, Mark, and thank you for that great introduction. Merci. So literally, I, I think, as far as I can recall, my passion for cars began when I was a kid. You know, my father had an incredible car, a 1974 Chevrolet Capri station wagon, Ooh. the one with the fake wood paneling. Oh, yeah. And and somehow I must have been, you know, bred with this this V8 noise in my head and heavy metal, and I started keeping collecting my, collecting my little toys. And as I grew, I really grew a passion for all sorts of cars, cars in general, and, and pretty much any vehicle. So what happened is I wanted to be a car designer, and my father, who's an artist, said, no, 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 don't be foolish here. <laughs> I, I suffered as an artist. You have to get a proper job, and he sent me to law school. And obviously, I had a passion for cars, so I started having cars and bought myself a car. I had to maintain them, and so I secretly started working uh, to make some money. And and I worked into the obviously the events that were related to cars. And this is how I discovered an amazing world, which is the world of, of car events. Um, we, I started working for an event in Paris, uh, in France. And, and, and from there grew this passion that then developed into a business. And that business really came about when I encountered the chairman of the company that I worked for later on, uh, Sir Michael Kaduri. And he suggested, would you, would I organize a rally for him and some friends, and which I did in France and then in Switzerland. And then the ball started rolling. 
I moved to the United States, uh, decided to have a bit of cre credibility. I, I did a master's degree at uh, Emerson in Boston. Fantastic experience. And from there, I drove cross country to California to start uh, my job and, and begin the quail. And um, then the rest is um, history, as I say. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, I'll let our listeners go that Matthias and I go a little ways back. I met him back in, I think it was 2007, was it? Uh, what was the first year the quail was launched? The quail was launched in 2003, August 2003. And, and you came um, before that. I think it was 2005. Four. Yeah, it's been a long time. And so uh, we go way, way back. Uh, the company I was with back then, we were uh, one of the vendors there at the event. So I got to meet him and experience the quail. And of course, as he says, the rest is history. It's a fantastic event. I was there last summer enjoying it again. But this new venture that Matthias is on, we're going to learn all about this beautiful second year that this uh, Concorde Elegance Swiss is taking place. But first... As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, so Matthias, take the wheel. Well, Mark, I'd like to, to give uh, myself uh, um, an opportunity to get two quotes rather than one. Absolutely. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Well, really, the, the main quote that the main mantra that I've been following since since I've been able to really understand things uh, with a bit more reasoning was the famous quote from Albert Einstein, and which says, you never fail until you stop trying. And it's just fantastic because really, there has been so many times that you feel, you know, this is too high of a wall. People are not interested and, and things are not going the right way. And you just keep trying and you just, just keep going. And fa finally, Oddly enough, even if some things did not work, I don't see it as failed. They just they just change, they move, they evolve. So that's an absolutely fantastic, I think, a quote or mantra, particularly in the business that I'm doing. And yes. then the second one, the second one is is perhaps a little bit more poetic, and I wouldn't wouldn't say that I I've done it, but I really try to to believe in it. And it came from Ferdinand Porsche, the 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 founder of of the famous German brand Porsche, Ferry Porsche. Translated in English, he said, "If you manage to create something that withstands time, something that remains untouched by the eccentricities of a particular age, in other words, something timeless, that." is the greatest achievement. Mm. And he succeeded. <laughs> oh, yeah, just a little bit, yeah. He succeeded. But but I think it's something we must all keep at heart in the things we do. What are we doing that may withstand the erosion of time? And that probably leads to, to the classic car world. <laughs> oh, you know, absolutely. I love both of those quotes. And for anyone out there who looks at a Concours event and says, oh, I think I'll do one of those. Be prepared because the Concours events are incredibly challenging. And for those of us who attend them over year after year, especially iconic events like the Quail or Pebble Beach or Amelia Island or Italia Concorso Italiano, or I've had so many directors uh, of these different events on the shows, the incredible challenges that you face along the way that just beat you down and make and keep telling you that don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Especially that Albert Einstein quote is so appropriate. So before we jump to the next question, can you maybe share how these two quotes come to mind when you're facing a challenge like launching a new event? You're in your second year, of course, but you're still in your infancy with your event here in Switzerland. How do you take those things and apply them to the challenges that you face every day with trying to get a bunch of cars and people together in one place? 
Well, very simple. It's a matter of evolution. It's a matter of evolving, I should say. When you face a challenge, if you get hung up and you just freeze in front of the challenge, you're not going to go anywhere. And that's where you might possibly stop. But as long as you don't stop, as long as you keep trying, as long as you keep punching one side or another, um, going around the challenge, and, and sometimes the route that you think is the route is not the right route. Or maybe it was, but you, there is always a way around. And, and changing that direction um, often brings a solution. So with the events, if, you, if you're stuck and you're obsessed with one option, uh, you will have a greater challenge. But by keeping your mind open, by, by accepting the fact that there are other ways around it, then you can progress. And I really have been, I've been applying this to, to myself and to, to the event. I mean, starting with my early events to the Quail and now to the Concours d'Elegance in Switzerland. Absolutely. And there's a word that you used when you were describing this, the word challenge. So many people look at something that comes up, an obstacle, as a problem. But instead, if you switch the meaning of that word to challenge, then it's overcomable. You can, you can get past it. And I love the idea of the open mind as well, of course, is, uh, well, there's different ways down this road. Maybe we take this, take this fork in the road or we go around the problem or whatever it might be. Sometimes you got to blast right through it though. So very cool. Well, let's go back in time. You talk about your father having that wagon with the wood on the side. I grew up in a similar family. We had an Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser in the 60s with the wood siding. Uh, nice. Those classic old cars, yeah, absolutely. Many a road trip across this great country here in the U.S. in one of those cars. But I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you think back that you realize that you were indeed a car guy? Hmm, it's tough. <laughs> it's been so progressive. But but really, I do think, yes, I think it was a mixture of times. My father had two incredible cars. One was a 1952 Rolls-Royce uh, Silver Dawn drophead coupe. Oh. Um, that he, believe it or not, he had exchanged the car for some of his paintings. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he was an artist. And so he, he drove away that car and he had it um, until he put it in storage and the car has been sleeping since then. So now it's about 40, no, 37 years of sleeping. Mm. And I'm just about to wake her up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an interesting thing. But the, I, I remember um, I was four or five years old. My parents put me in, in, in that car. Um, and I just remember something magical about the size, the shape, the stance of the car. And then you had all this wood paneling on the front. I mean, what kind of car has the same wood paneling as the Louis, Louis the 15th furniture cabin? <laughs> you know, I mean, it oh, was yeah. just, it was just something. And I just, and I, re, I, I really clearly remember that. I think I must have been four, five or six. I don't remember the age, but I remember the situation. So that I think was the first, uh, pinch. The second pinch really came with that uh, 1974 Chevrolet Caprice which took us around Europe on road trips, you know, that fantastic feeling of safety, comfort, um, driving through the rain, driving through the night um, in that car, we would sleep in the back. And mm -hmm. that thing, that moment, the smells and everything really just came up with it. And I'll talk about it later on, but this whole impression has actually led me to to a new uh, to a, a, a car that I recently purchased because it really it, it's all tied to it. So I think really these two cars, the Rolls Royce and the 1974 Chevrolet Caprice, really made 
made me love um, cars. Yeah, yeah. Well, excuse the pun, but I guess a new dawn is coming for the dawn <laughs> as you wake that car up. I love the way you said that, by the way, wake that car up. I, that's going to be fantastic. And I have to imagine the 70s, seeing a U.S. station wagon driving around Europe was kind of a unique sight. It must have been, um, particularly because in that time, you know, there was no such big car in Europe. Right. Very, very few. It was like a space shuttle, but I was um, <laughs> I was younger, I guess. No, but it was a space shuttle weight, Mark, because that car was really a space shuttle to people. Not only was big and long and bigger than anything else, but it was an amazing car. The trunk lid would open up, the window would slide into the roof, and the back would drop below the bumper. Yeah, that was a really yes. unique. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That was something, and and there was no, there was there's never been such a thing. And I remember my my schoolmates when my father would take us around for for groups uh, and 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 you know getting out mm-hmm. would love the car because we would put like maybe eighteen of us in the car. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's very cool, very very cool. Yeah, absolutely. I had a a guest, Ruba Jerdy, who puts on. Uh, events around the world, classic car rallies, and she grew up in the Middle East, and her father had this big Cadillac. And imagine driving across the desert in the Middle East in a U.S. Cadillac in the 60s or 70s. It was like, what was that? You know, (laughs) as it drives by the camels on the side of the road. So uh, very, very cool. Well, great stories. I love all those. What a nice way to get involved into the car world. So, Matthias, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. You've been involved in some very cool things. And I'd love for you to share a big challenge or even a big failure that you face along the way. Of course, the most important part of this for every listener is how did you overcome it? And even more important, what did it teach you so you can move forward? So tell us about that experience and how it helped you gain even more momentum in your career and your business. I, w- I would say <laughs> I would say that really every day is, is or can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I would say there was one more than another or perhaps is it that the mind is is wonderful and he forgets, you know, the <laughs> forgets the, the pain. The <laughs> yeah, forgets the pain. I think I don't really recall challenges. I mean, there were just many of them from from the moments I started doing events, and but there was nothing that really strikes me as that was a big, big problem. Let me take you down this path because launching a Concours event, you've done it with the Quail, you've done it now with the Concours d'Elegance Swiss. This is a huge thing to start and there's so many moving pieces of it. So maybe you can take us thinking back to the Quail, thinking about your current event. When you say, okay, I'm going to do this, is there something that pops up that really is a challenge that you go, oh, this again, how are we going to overcome that part of this because there's so many moving parts to a concours it's like a swiss watch yes it is it is it's really a matter of coordination and and the challenge is that you only do it for one day in a year so it's almost like running a business that's open one day a year (laughs) yes or giving birth (laughs) yeah or giving birth exactly so to some people, when they've managed to finish maybe the first month of operation, uh, we're down 30 years. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Yeah. So so the learning curve is, is quite something. But no, I would say really that the biggest challenge nowadays is getting, and I, it's very materialistic, but unfortunately, we, we get down to that when we run events. And it is to get the financial support of uh, sponsors and and. And, and any sort of form of partners basically to help support the event because right. the objective of the event really is, is not really commercial. It's more about preserving or showing or promoting the preservation of our heritage, of automotive heritage. And that cannot be done 
unless you find a way to raise funds through sponsorships um, to organize it, right? Yeah. And so that, and I really tip my hat to all of the people around the world that do these events on a completely, um, I would say, philanthropic basis. Uh, they do it as a side job. They, it's really, it's really outstanding. And I also thank and 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 support and well thank the people that support these events, the, the, all these brands that sponsor it. Yes, of course they find an interest there. Of course they find a really interesting um, interaction with a, a, a target audience. But it's beyond that. It's also their commitment to help support the preservation of the automotive heritage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I see it. So, so the challenge really comes down to that. The, is there a challenge getting car enthusiasts and car collectors to join? I would say not so much, unless at the beginning where they're a little bit shy. Mm-hmm. They don't really know who you are. Is it a worthwhile event? Should I come bring my car? But once you've you've broken that mold and they've seen that you are somebody trustworthy and you have a good vision and and you share the same opinion as they do, um, they come in. They really flock in. They find it interesting. And we've seen it with, you know, the Quail was my first experience really with that. But we've seen it with uh, uh, Con- uh, Concours on the Avenue in Carmel. That's Doug Friedman. Great guy. Yeah. Um, he struggled at the beginning and now he's got a great event. And then there's many other other events that have happened or revived. And I think it's fantastic. Well, I appreciate you taking us down those paths because, again, from the outsider, the insider, the person that attends these events, they look around and go, wow, this is cool. This couldn't have been that hard. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, oh, my goodness, it, it really, really is. But I have a, a huge number of directors of people that are putting on Concord events here in the Cars yeah website. And I'll encourage the listeners, you can go. And, of course, uh, Matthias is now one of those. You can go and listen to all those past shows and listen to all the different things that people have shared with me that run these fantastic events around the country from the Pebble Beach to Milliata Concorso. I mean, just absolutely spectacular. So kudos to you for taking this on once again. Like you said, the mind forgets pain. So the beginning learning curve from the quail must be in your far distant memory for you to start <laughs> this uh, second year here at Concord the Elegant Swiss. Ah, oh, wonderful. Well, how about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, you've been involved in so many things, but is there one that stands out for you? I would say the proudest moments, it happens again on a regular basis. Every time a guest to one of my events says thank you or mm-hmm. smiles when he arrives, yes. that is for me a great moment of pride because it is bringing memories back to his head. It's bringing, bringing satisfaction, happiness, great feelings. Um, and so, so I would say it happens on a regular basis every time I see it, this happens. Yeah. But there was one time, one time, Mark, that I was really taken, taken by, by the, the, the size of the thank you. When I uh, left uh, the quail uh, to carry on another uh, career elsewhere, um, I was quite sad and everybody was quite sad. But I, um, the company I used to work for, very kindly said, Matthias, please send an email to everyone, you know, saying that you're leaving and how you can be contacted. I got one of those from you. Yep. You probably did. <laughs> I did. And you were one of the people who actually wrote back to me and, and said, thank you. Thank you for your involvement. Thank you for, for having uh, given to us this amazing gift, this amazing moment and creating the quail and, and bringing all of this together. And it was you know, a thank you was already huge, mm-hmm. but getting, I think it was like 2,700 <laughs> thank yous from people that I had never met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I had never seen, you know, that just came to the quail one day, knowing that somehow at some point what I did, my efforts touched them. 
that was the greatest uh, gratification I could get. Yeah, it is. It is pretty cool when people show gratitude and appreciation because you sometimes feel like you're isolated and does anybody care? You know, and, and uh, I remember that time when you were moving on and it was like, oh, no, no. But uh, obviously you went on to other wonderful things. Now, how about a, a career aha moment? Is there one of those that has popped up, which I assume there has been because you've done a lot of different really cool things. So is there one in particular that stands out for you? Actually, there is one. There is one which gave me the direction of my business, the direction that I would now follow. It was uh, when I met this gentleman that I mentioned before, Sir Michael Kaduri, and he's a great car enthusiast. He taught me a lot. He has an incredible knowledge about cars. And we were having a coffee time in the carriage house where he keeps some of his collect collection. And he said, you know, Matthias, we were looking, I mean, I mean, imagine me, I was younger and I was already amazed looking at all these amazing cars. <laughs> yeah. And this gentleman says to me a wonderful sentence. He says, you know, Matthias, at the end of the day, we're not collectors, we're not owners. We are just the caretakers and we're fortunate enough that we can carry on this, this wonderful heritage for our children and for their children. And I looked at him and I realized that this gentleman who wasn't too young had children really had done all this effort with that purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've heard it because you've seen it, said it many times. But that was really a, a hard moment for me when I realized that my job, because I could not and I was not fortunate enough to buy all these cars and preserve them, mm -hmm. but my job was to organize a support to promote the importance of preserving these automobiles. Yes. Ah, what a wonderful perspective. <laughs> and so that's really what I took. And that's why I decided to dedicate my life to, re to the continuation of Concours d'Elegance as a way to celebrate the preservation of automotive her automobile heritage. And you've done it very well. Thank you so much. Well, let's have a little bit of fun again here, as if we're not already having a grand time here. Let's go back in time again. I want you to share your first really special car and maybe a memory you have with that vehicle. The first um, really special car. Now, you know what? This is a recent car. Oh, cool. Good. <laughs> Even better. I know. I know. Oddly enough, it's something that I've been cherishing and, and dreaming of, I guess, since the 1974 Chevrolet Caprice experience. <laughs> it was, and it was, the whole way how it happened was, was funny. I was uh, browsing on the internet uh, looking for, for, just looking at car and car advertisements. And, and this 1966 Cadillac popped up. It just striked me. Perfect color. Blue, it was a Cadillac Calais hardtop sedan. So it's one of these four-door uh, pillarless cars. Yeah. Beautiful thing. And, <laughs> and the reality was that I was, um, I was going to buy a car to do a small road trip with a friend in, in California after, after coming to Pebble and just having a bit of fun. And I thought, I'll buy the car and I'll sell the car. And I see this, this amazing Cadillac and I thought, mm, maybe interesting. And I sent a message and I decided to go and see the car. And I flew to see the car. Now, the car was in Kentucky. Okay. <laughs> Top Kinsville, Kentucky, mm -hmm. a small town uh, north of northeast of Nashville. Um, and I flew there thinking, well, you know, we'll see what happens. And the gentleman picked me up with the car with uh, with his wife. He was the executor, the, the how do you say, the will executor? Oh, yes, yes. The executor. Okay. Of the previous owner. Okay. Who had passed away a couple of years ago. And he picked me up and he said, here's the car. And I looked at it 
And I fell immediately in love with this car. <laughs> and it had everything right. It had the big 400 cubic inch engine, seven liters. Mm -hmm. The original, the whole car is completely original. Never been repainted. It has the original sticker in the back. And I decided, well, wow. I'm going to take this car back to California. And he looked at me strange and he said, are you going to drive it? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> he said, that'd be right, son. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we made an arrangement and I drove off the next morning with the car. Wow. And seven days later, when it got to California without having any issues, any problems whatsoever, wow. I knew that I was for life linked to this car. And, and, I, and, I, and that, I think, to me is my first really special car. I love it. You know, this is so interesting to me because, and this is a stereotype of a gentleman as you are, very distinguished. I always think of you that way. And so I think of you touring around the Alps or something in, in Switzerland is in something that's small and sporty and fast. And then you're, you're telling me about the Calais. I mean, that's a giant <laughs> car. I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever waxed one of those. I have because I had a client when I was a kid and I was detailing cars with one and I used to have to charge her twice because the thing was so huge. I mean, that's a huge car. It's giant. It is. It's half a mile long. <laughs> yeah. <I think. laughs> it's got to be at least 21 feet long or something like that. I don't know. It's, uh, oh my gosh. Well, that's, you know, you surprised me again, Matthias, which is wonderful. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. So very cool. Now, where's the car today? Is it still here in the U.S. or have you brought it back to Europe? No, no, I'm keeping it in the U.S. because I, I come every year to attend Pebble, the Quail and, and other events. And yeah. I, I have a bit of a family still in, in Carmel, okay. which were the people I used to live with. And, and they're very close to my heart and they've kept the car for me very kindly in their garage. Ah, okay. Well, this summer when we uh, connect in Carmel, you're going to have to give me a ride in that. Do you have, oh, a, yeah. do you have a name for that car? Yes, Evita. Evita. Oh, <laughs> even better. <laughs> well, the, the, there's a reason to it. When I opened the glove box as I was driving away, I, I looked through all the paperwork that was in there and everything had been there. And as there were maps from the 70s and there was a shopping list uh -huh. and there was a small envelope with somebody's driving license in it. And I pulled up the driver's license and that driver's license was the driver's license of the owner, Mrs. Eva Hill, who for whom uh, the car had been bought new by her late husband in November 1966. Ah, how nice. Okay. So I decided to dedicate the car to her, and I call the car Evita. Evita. Nice, <laughs> nice story. All those cars, yeah, listeners who love cars so much, they get you. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? Yes, absolutely. And you're going to say, again, I'm surprising you. Okay. I don't know if you remember, but when I was in California, I had bought on Craigslist a 1970 Chevrolet Caprice. Okay. Coupe. <laughs> There's that Chevy again. Yes, it's that Chevy again. 1970s. I, I have to say I have, um, I have a, a weakness point for these cars, uh, late <laughs> 60s and early 70s. And, and I kept it and it took me back and forth to work. It had a big hole on the floor. Um, everybody <laughs> was laughing seeing this French guy coming to Quail Lodge with this old, you know, uh, yeah. hoopty, like as they say, you know, it was the uh -huh. hoopty. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I really, I, I, I wish I had kept it because the car is quite special, quite a nice car. Uh, <laughs> and that's really the only car that I sold in my life. 
Oh, wow. Well, good for you. Well, I think Avita is a good replacement for that U.S. Carmel yes, car. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I would like for you to share a little bit more with our listeners about Concorde Elegance Suisse. Tell us about this event. Tell us about what people can expect who uh, are fortunate enough to get to Switzerland to attend this event that has you so excited and fired up. Thank you. Well, the thing is, I think we need to, to say something. The Concours d'Elegance uh, Suisse is actually a, a historic concours. Um, the, the concours used to take place in Geneva from 1927, and it lasted until 1955, thus making it today, as a revival event, one of the oldest concours in Europe. Wow. Um, because I'd like to remind the listeners that Villa d'Este, which happens in Italy, uh, started in 1929. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, none of the actual Concours d'Elegance in Europe, um, the historic concours, which are an activity now, are older than 1927. So I think we are today the oldest Concours d'Elegance of, of, of Europe, which is quite, quite, a, quite something. Oh, yeah. That's for the historical part. I decided to revive that Concours because um, there is an incredible amount of, of beautiful cars in Switzerland um, and you know, the Swiss, we, we like to keep things very humble. We're not really show-offy and, and nobody really organized such event and decided to bring them out. And I thought that was a pity because, as I mentioned before, my whole uh, objective is about preservation of the heritage and promoting that heritage. Mm-hmm. So for me, the Concours, since we cannot celebrate Concours as they used to be, because we would have to celebrate the modern cars, we really are doing through a concours the celebration of the past. And this is what I wanted with this concours d'élégance. I wanted to revive it, celebrating the heritage of automobile and promoting authenticity and originality above the over-restored cars, which have been quite criticized over the last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong about that. I, the one thing I find wrong about the over-restoration is that we're taking away the the soul were taking away the history of the car and that's unfair mm-hmm. restoring a car is perfectly acceptable but it has to be kept authentic yes when the originality can be maintained then we must make sure that we keep that originality so when i when i shaped the concours d'elegance i wanted two things one was to celebrate each year a specific decade of the century of automobiles Rather than celebrating a brand or a make, I really wanted to celebrate this, the decade of the century. We started off last year celebrating the pop art years, which were 1957 to 1965. A lot of colors, new shapes, new lines that were coming out in those days. This year, we're celebrating what we call the jukebox era, uh, a very important era of the, of the automotive world because it started right after the Second World War, 1945, pretty much when the jukebox were created, 1943, mm. as far as we know. And it lasted, I would say, until 1955, 57. So <laughs> I pushed it to 1960 to get a round number. <laughs> nice. There you go. There you go. Well, there were a few, still a few jukeboxes left in the 60s and early 60s. So uh, I think you're, you're okay exactly. there. <laughs> exactly. I think we're still on time. Yeah. So that will be the main theme celebrated this year. And there will be other themes celebrated in the future. Now at the Concours d'Elegance, we will also honor every year 
a special class to the Hispano Suiza brand mm. because, as you know, Hispano Suiza was linked to the city of Geneva because the engineer, the Mr. Burkitt, uh, was from Geneva. So that's the, the, the other key or important thing about this concours is to celebrate the Hispano Suizas each year with very unique, very special models. And we're planning on a big, big surprise uh, in the years to come around that, that, uh, that brand. Wonderful. As for the rest, I invite everyone to go to the website concoursdelegancesuisse.com. Uh, you'll see the 18 classes. The other important point I wanted to mention that I've spoken about the Concours was my choice to call uh, the help of a good friend or a mentor that became a good friend, Ed Gilbertson. Mm, yes. Ed, Ed for me, is an, is an extraordinary gentleman. Uh, and, and I called Ed and I said, Ed, I wanted to revive a Concours where I wanted to celebrate heritage through authenticity and originality. And he said, Matthias, you're spot on. We've created this group called the International Chief Judge Advisory Group, uh, which gathers uh, international chief judges from around the world that are here to promote uh, with specific guidelines the authenticity and originality in their judging uh, chart. Mm -hmm. So that was for me a very important element to bring forward to this concours, making it more unique than many other events which are really wonderful car shows but maybe lack the integrity of the judging uh, that I think Ed can bring and Adolfo Orsi, who is our uh, chief judge, uh, are bringing along with some incredible judges that are making the effort to come over to Switzerland all the way down from America, from Australia, from England, from from Holland. Uh, really an outstanding moment. Um, maybe that's one of the, the other proud moments of my life is when I see the efforts some people are willing to put to support the, the, the ideas that we have. Wow. Well, Ed has been a guest here in Cars. Yeah, I've known him for years. And yeah, you've got an iconic man there. And for those listeners that want to learn more about Ed and that judging process, you can go back and listen to his show on Cars. Yeah, it's on the website there. Really fascinating story he shared with us about how he brought that those judging standards forward, specifically early on to the Ferrari market, of course, but then it is spread out amongst many, many Concours events and made them all very, very credible so that things are on an even keel, as you say, when you go to a Concours. So it's not just your friend saying, well... Uh, Matthias Carr, let's pick his because we like that guy. So <laughs> we like that uh, that uh, Chevelle that he's brought to the event. So uh, very cool. Well, I'll remind our listeners again: you can go to the Carja website and you'll find links to this uh, fantastic Concor event. I encourage you to check out if you can't get to Switzerland this summer. Put it on your plans for next summer. But boy, if you can be there, this is an event worth attending. All right, Matthias, this is a very introspective question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would a TSB and why? <laughs> I've thought about this one. Very simple. Uh -huh. I would like to be a classic, and I say classic because by because the car is, there's a modern version of it, a classic Range Rover. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> oh, and, and why a Range Rover? Because again, once again, you've surprised me a little bit. <laughs> I tell you why. I lived in Dubai for a little while. And I had a classic Range Rover there. And I put a sticker on the back. And that sticker said, you can go fast and I can go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That makes a world of sense. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Well, and, and it really applies, to, I think, to me. If I was a car, for me, versatility is the most important. Being able to adapt yourself to your surroundings, go around, 
go around the obstacles. You don't necessarily have to be the first there you run. You have to get there. Absolutely. And a classic Range Rover can do that. You can fit all your friends in the car. You can put luggage if you wish. And yet you can do it in a lot of comfort. It's rugged and simple. And it has a, it, it has a timeless uh, body design. So I think putting it all together, it really seduces me, and that's probably why I have two of them. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. There you go. I like that very much. I just had a, a guest on the show as a new magazine uh, called Alloy and Grit that's all about the Range Rover. I'm not sure if you've heard of that publication yet, but if you haven't, I'm going to have to get you in touch with them. I follow them on Instagram, and they're a lot of fun. There you go. There you go. We're all one happy family here. So, Matthias, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars yeah, sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Matthias, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would say drive your car, listen to it, and be gentle with it. <laughs> yes, very important. Listen to it because they're always talking to us, aren't they? They we, do. <laughs> they do, especially when you're mistreating them. <laughs> We, we, we suddenly all remember that fantastic movie, Herbie. <laughs> yes, Herbie the Love right? Bug. Yeah. Herbie the Love Bug. They speak to us. They do. They do. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? I would say passion. Passion and, and determination. A reoccurring theme here amongst my wonderful guests, persistence, perseverance. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? Obviously, other than the website to the Concorde Elegant Suisse. 
<laughs> of course, I would say yours as well. Well, thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> no, but having all these interviews, as I mentioned to you earlier, um, these archives of, of shared opinions and experiences mm. is incredible. So I would really recommend, I mean, I'm going to start listening to all these podcasts that you've, you've put up because uh, they are really interesting. Thank you. Um, aside, no, you're welcome. It's true. And then aside from that, you know, um, there's a lot of resources. So I would say from the media perspective, you know, these magazines such as uh, the, the classic car magazines, we're talking more um, classic car resources, of course, yes. but I would say classic car magazines um, are really worth the read. And as well, I would say attend events because you learn an incredible amount of things from the events. Yeah, <clears throat> You learn it from the owners themselves right. because they know about their cars. Yeah. And that is really a fantastic source of information. I always encourage my friends who are not regular Concours attendees, or even if you go to a Cars and Coffee on a Saturday morning, go up to the owner and just ask them a few questions. You can learn more in depth about a car in a few minutes mm-hmm. from a guy who's lived with it in his garage, worked on it, than you can reading anything. And all of us car people love to share our cars with people. So talk to the owners and you never know, you might even get a drive in that car too. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or industry, living or deceased, who would it be? That was a really hard question there. And I and I, the list started to go on and on and on and on and on. So I've come down with three names okay. at three different times. Okay. The first one is Mr. Cunio. Mr. Cunio, you probably don't know about him. I think you do if, if I spelt it for you. C-U-G-N-O-T. Uh, he invented the first car. Yes. He invented this, this steam car, mm-hmm. the steam chariot yes. back in 1700. And he's really the one because of him. Now we, we've got these amazing, amazing vehicles that we have today. So I would say he would be the first one. What came up to his mind? The second one um, is Colin Chapman. Ah, yes. I, I really I was um, seduced by by this this thinking this theory of Colin Chapman, which is light is right, um, and that really applies to the automotive world. Uh, if we look at now the modern car, the future, you know, we've got bigger and heavier vehicles. Yes, we've increased safety, but light is right because you may put power to it and make it go faster, but there's still laws of gravity and friction, and and the lightness plays a good role. So that leads me to the third gentleman whom, thankfully, at least I could still hope to have a, a coffee with him, and I really admire him, is Gordon Murray. Mm, yes, yes. Professor Gordon Murray, who, who really was behind um, numerous concepts, ideas, is working on more concepts nowadays and, and production concepts, is a fantastic gentleman, and he's so kind. So I... I would definitely love to have another coffee with him. <laughs> yes, I'd love to have Mr. Murray as a guest on the show here as well. I think he'd be a fantastic person to share his experiences with the listeners. So that's quite a quite a magnificent list and a very diverse list that you put together for us. So uh, fantastic choices. Well, Matthias, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners should read as well? Yes, definitely. I think everyone should read this book and not just once, but we must read it every 10 years or so. Mm. It's a book written by a French author, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, and the book's name is called Le Petit Prince, which means the small prince. And I'm sure that many people have heard of it. Yes, yes. That book is an extraordinary book. I've, I've read it again recently, and I've discovered new meanings through it. It's a fantastic uh, 
life uh, life uh, how would you say a life director yes yeah life lessons yeah. life director life, life. yeah yeah Fantastic. yeah wonderful book yep i bought copies and given those to my children as well so listeners you can find links to all these wonderful resources matthias has shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com matthias is spelled m-a-t-h-i-a-s and his last name adutrelo D-O-U-T-R-E-L-E-A-U. And there's another great place in the Carsia website called Guest Recommended Books, where I will list this book and books recommended by the past 754 guests for quick, easy clicks to buy. It's a wonderful resource. The books that my guests recommend are the best. So check it out on the Carsia website. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. <laughs> we talked about this in our pre-show chat, so I'm very interested to hear what you've come up with because it's a tough one. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage there in Switzerland, something to drive through the Alps, something to enjoy, but money's no object, I'm going to buy you anything in the world today. That makes it even harder. What would it be <laughs> and why? <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. No, 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 no. Ooh la la, as they say. Uh, ooh la la, exactement. Ooh la la. <laughs> this is a tough one. Um, you know, I would, I would almost link it to, to, to those of you listeners who have children. You know, imagine somebody came up to you, Mark came, said, came up to you and said, which one of your favorite son or children yes. you have? You know, and yeah. how can we answer this question, Mark? Right. It's so I, hard. I know, but you know, I, I, as I told uh, Matthias at the beginning when he said, this is going to be a tough one, I said, let's just <laughs> talk about today because tomorrow it might be different. So that might help you narrow it down. Yeah, well, then I'm going to go back to the to the car that ultimately can do a bit of everything for me. I can drive it, whether if it snows, whether if it rains, uh, whether there's a road or not. Okay. Uh, and ultimately, today we have a road, but I don't know if tomorrow the road will still be there. And therefore, I would put my choice on a classic Range Rover. Oh, okay. Well, let's narrow it down a little bit to when you say classic. So do you have a year and do you like the two-door, the old kind of compact two-door? Do you want a bigger vehicle so you can pile all your buddies in the back? Very, very good question. The good thing with the classic Range Rover, whether if it's a two-door or four-door, it's exactly the same volume inside. So I would pick the four-door simply because of the versatility of not having to get off of my seat if somebody needs to get in the back. How about a year? And the year would have to be prior to 1985 mm -hmm. because until then, the the engine was a 3.5 V8 uh, with carburetors. And I don't know if I really want to trust in the future electronics. And the electronic fuel injection may function better and give a bit more horsepower. But as I said, if I want to keep a car that is going to be driven no matter what and when, I know a carburetor will function because I know how to fix it. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening in that e electronic box right. below the seat. Right. Yeah. So it would be a a, a pre night in 1970 to 1985 Range Rover. And what color? What color? Boy, I didn't know that question. I know uh, I'm making it a little tougher here, but you know, as long as we're we're digging deep, we might as well get this thing right. Hopefully, if I if I could put my hands on a on a mustard uh, Range Rover, that would be it's a great car. It was one of the colors the car was advertised with. Otherwise, I'd be very happy with a white car. Okay. Now, mustard, is is that the same as their camel color, or is that a different color? It's the same. It's the same. It's that mustardy camel color. Came, in, in yeah. The okay. Very nice. Well, you know, I just had, a couple of weeks ago, I had Ted Gushu, who's director of content for Petrolicious, and of course, I've had Afshin, the founder of that company, 
on the show. And they they did a wonderful video on a beautiful camel-colored old classic Range Rover. Have you seen that video? No, I have not. I'm going to send you a link because you're going to, oh, you're going to fall in love. It's Uh, an English uh, gentleman (laughs) driving that through the the fields and chopping wood. And yeah, yeah. So, uh (laughs) Ah, uh, now I know how you're going to spend the rest of your evening here, Matthias, is <laughs> watching this nice little Petrolicious video. Well, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would. It's so fun to catch up with you, and I've really enjoyed learning more about the wonderful event that you've got planned this summer. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with my listeners here at Cars yeah? Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you head off over the hills in that classic Range Rover? <laughs> yes, of course, I'd love to. I would I would really like to share to everybody. We're so fortunate to be here, to be alive and being able to do things, live it, enjoy it, have fun. Um, the late Martin Swig has told me this many times. He said, Matthias, whatever you do, have fun doing it. So have fun living it and uh, do it with passion, do it, do it with your heart. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of challenges and um, just keep pushing. Absolutely. Wonderful words of wooden. Yeah, the great Martin Swig. What a great guy. Now, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about Concorde d'Elegance Suisse? The best way is through our website, particularly for the, the listeners who are um, not in, in European countries. The best way is through the website, www.concordelegancesuisse.com. And that is spelled Concours as a Concours with an S at the end. Delegance, which is D-E-L-E-G-A-N-C-E. And then Swiss as Switzerland in French, which is S-U-I-S-S-E. Magnifique. Yes, fantastic. And listeners, again, you can find, find a link to everything that uh, we've talked about today here at Matthias's Cars Yeah show notes page. Just type Matthias in the search bar. And you'll find links to that. I would encourage you to check out the website, see what's going to happen here. I mean, it's just going to progress and get better and better as this event unfolds. And I'm going to be having a, a full week of sponsors from the Concorde Elegance Swiss on the show here coming up soon. So look ahead for that one. Matthias, merci for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. So fun to catch up. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. Fantastic. And I very much look forward to seeing you in uh, California when I come. Let's go for for a car ride. Cars, yeah. All right. Thank you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design, and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.